Reading List Leaders is a four-part oral gathering recorded as a podcast series by visual artist and poet Vita Somya, with sound designed by artist Kim Modig, produced by Frame Contemporary Art Finland within the context of the Rehearsing Hospitalities Public Programme 2019-2023. Reading List Leaders is an extension of Vita Somya's poem and wall mural Reading List, the first work in a series of artistic commissions at Frame Contemporary Art Finland's office space in Helsinki. Each of the four podcasts will be released every Tuesday over four weeks between May 5th to May 26th, 2020. Each week, Vita Somya will host conversations and readings with her invited reading list leaders. Welcome everyone to the Reading List Leaders. My name is Vidha Somya and I will be your host. Given that we are doing our best to stay healthy, calm and optimistic, there is no doubt that these are difficult times. In a time like this, even while we are home, it is easy to get isolated and therefore it is worth remembering that despite the current situation, we are still a community and each of our actions can inspire, motivate and have a long-lasting effect on those close to us and afar. We may be physically distanced from each other, but we can still create and maintain contact as we take breaks from washing hands, news cycles, online meetings and stirring a weekly batch of soup. Times are stressful and to ease through these testing times, I am hoping to amplify a sense of community, curiosity and our shared worlds so that we can still feel connected. With this in mind and through the support of Frame Contemporary Art Finland, I am happy to bring to you a series of oral gatherings as a podcast series which have been recorded over the past weeks. Under the title Reading List Leaders, each week we will gather around readings and discussions with the invited guests. Reading List Leaders was initially planned as a weekly gathering for reading and listening in the Frame Contemporary Art Finland office. Restrictions on the act of gathering in Finland, India and the world due to both COVID-19 and political unrest mean that this is not possible at this time. In the podcast series, this activity can continue in a complementary and meaningful way. Still a place to gather, the podcast conversations and readings activate, archive and share both the Indian writers who appear in my poem reading list and the reading list leaders themselves. The poem reading list was painted as a mural at Frame Contemporary Art Finland's office space in August 2019. The first work in a series of artistic commissions, the mural was launched during the Rehearsing Hospitalities public program in September 2019, accompanied by a reading of the reading list. Proposed as a list of 96 authors from India who should be in global reading lists, this list is potentially endless. The work was commissioned in the context of Rehearsing Hospitality's public program 2019-2023. to I'll say a few words about the poem. As I read my way through list after list, 
helpfully extended towards me by institutions, visiting lecturers and seminars in Finland, I encountered many silences. And to mend those silences, these names were my instinctual response. The mural painted multiple times over in colors such as green, blue, yellow and a final red were done to create a layered effect as a visual reference to the round-the-clock construction work in cities and as well outer walls of institutions that hold space for voices to express and to dissent in the form of posters, graffiti and signs. I take this opportunity to read to you Reading List. Let there be new reading lists of Mahvi Dhasal Kelkar, Daruwala Pritam and Ded, Ambedkar Singh Bhasin, Ramanujan Dehelvi and Seth, Rege Fazli Botalia, Koteshwaramma Vidyapati and Dhale. Nam Joshi Tripathi Das Gupta Devi Bond and Kamle Balmani Bagul Bagchi Madhvi Kutti Manto and Menon Roy Renu Revati Sobati Shivakami and Subramanyam Pavar Jahan Ravi Kumar Nehel Ghosh and Rokea, Begum Malagatti Morais, Kabir Desai and Sambharya, Dai Ao Sehgal, Bakshi Virani and Gokhale, Bama Naidu Kolatkar, Korea Patel and Phule, Gidla Kane Markandya, Kandaswami Hashmi and Gargi, Chandramoli Chandrika Guha, Narayanan Gole and Chakravarti, Dasnavi Jusavala Chauhan, Elvin Koregaonkar and Parsai, Janabai Vajahat Shyam, Chugtai Ezekiel and Ramabai. Erali Sili Jafri, Senapati Chaturvedi and Raman, Gaddar Chirappad Metrei, Shyamala Jha and Premchand should have long begun. Choose anyone. We will see how reading lists must expand now. We have reached the last gathering in the series of Reading List Leaders. I want to thank you for your time and support. In our previous gathering, we had the pleasure of listening to Mumbai-based filmmaker, writer and public speaker Paramita Vohra, whose writings put into words a culture that exists in rather unspoken and quiet ways. After the deeply engaging readings and conversations with Shrujna Niranjani Shridhar, Kamla Bhaseen and Paramita Vohra, I look forward to further expanding the reading list through a discussion with Arvind Ramachandran 
in the fourth oral gathering of the Reading List Leaders podcast series. With Arvind, we will speak about how, in addition to books, we can include blogs, opinion pieces, TED Talks, podcasts, and social media accounts, meme pages, Facebook groups into reading lists. How do we share what treasures we come across in our journeys with texts so that the reading list grows and gets diversified, not just with respect to the sources read, but also the people doing the reading and in an age of migration and more recently a lockdown, how do our reading lists reflect our stories? Arvind Ramachandran is a stand-up comedian, organizer and artist based in Helsinki. His work focuses on confronting visible and invisible oppressive structures operating in contemporary society, especially as they affect those without class, caste, gender and race privileges. He currently co-organizes the feminist and anti-racist Night School and co-hosts POC Open Mic in Helsinki. I would like to first uh, welcome you, Arvind, for doing this discussion with me. When I made this mural and I listed down uh, many authors, uh, it was also around the same time that you and I had begun some kind of a conversation also around what you are doing in the city, but also how we find ourselves placed in this situation when we are both away from our country. And then also, I think a sense of friendship, but then also a sense of feeling that there is a common vocabulary, although we are not speaking, say, the same mother tongues. Uh, we have a lot that is not in common and still feeling a sense of commonness or like feeling that, okay, this is where I can place these difficult questions to another person and get some kind of a feedback and also where I can be corrected without feeling like I'm being attacked. And I think this is a feeling that has uh, been with me since I moved here. Initial, I think the first two years just went in not knowing where to ask what and where I can state what I'm thinking. And with you, I feel a sense of, uh, not just a sense of comfort, but also a sense of safety that I can, I can ask, I can be maybe corrected, I can even be shown like another way of looking at it, another perspective. So this is why I thought that it would be really great that I could have you on board to discuss the reading list and to discuss these different aspects of the reading list. Thank you, Vida, for inviting me. I think maybe it's a mutual respect that also makes me very happy to be part of this great initiative through Frame Contemporary Art Finland. I have to admit that I haven't seen your mural yet, but I have seen pictures of it and I've gone through the text about the mural where you had also explained the reason or a short text about each of the authors that find a place there. And uh, this very idea of a reading list is quite interesting in the sense that most of the reading lists that I have been given have been reading lists that were set by a teacher, set by somebody in a position of expertise or even a position of power. And then they asked me to sort of read those to get an idea or to somehow get closer to their position. So when you said that you had made this reading list and painted it, 
it was interesting so this is a reading list that nobody is forcing anyone to go through but also this is a reading list that anybody who's interested can access and also build on and in that sense this also this idea that i have been in finland i think a couple years more than you have so this idea of different people in different parts of a journey and especially both of us as having moved from india to finland going through a somewhat similar journey here but in many ways also different but looking at a predominantly western white society through our own lenses and what are the sort of tools that we use to navigate it and what we read and what we are recommended to read what role do they play within that whole messy or complicated situation that we find ourselves in plus how these tie in with thinkers and activists and others in india as well some of whom you have invited as part of this series got me really thinking that we could go very far in opening up this whole discussion especially since india being a country with so many different languages and still because of reasons of colonialism a lot of texts in india are written in english there's an interesting aspect that people in the west assume that indian thought is not very accessible from the west for reasons of language which is not necessarily always true i think a lot of the writers that found place in your reading list do write also in english if not exclusively in english so in that sense it's uh, i think it's a great opportunity for us to come together and widen the feel so to speak and maybe also through that get people to think so pleasure to be part of this and hopefully these conversations get people to think and also help us sort of expand our reading lists and minds at the same time definitely just a couple of things that you mentioned right now uh, looking at the aspect of accessibility not just from the point of view of language but also from the point of view of procuring books or procuring uh, content in different forms i'm reminded of the conversation that i've had with shujna so when i had asked her how do you think that reading lists can expand or how do we have basically a library that is more expansive and more inclusive and more diverse she said that what we need in our societies are hyper localized libraries or reading rooms or gatherings i wanted to link that to this idea of expanding the reading list so not just looking at authors that are published but also looking at voices that don't get published why they don't get published what is the publishing industry like whether it is from typical publishing house that publishes journals and magazines and novels and stories to also self publishing practices of artists and activists and a lot of poets and a lot of th- thinkers but then also looking at content that is not available through publishing so it could be in the form of a list of songs that people know or something that is just passed on from one group to the other and i wanted to understand what your experience so far has been with such forms of knowledge or such forms of uh, reading and text yeah that's uh, something i actually work with a lot in my practice just to give a bit of background 
uh, what I'm basically referring to now is this uh, feminist and anti-racist night school that we run with three others, Ella, Aino and Theo in Helsinki, where we actually work with trying to make knowledge more accessible and knowledge more available through non-conventional channels. Uh, what we do is we have sessions where we discuss uh, topics that are of interest to feminist and anti-racist and class confrontational work. So in that, for example, we have to continuously create reading lists for each session. For example, if we have a session on whiteness, we need to make some material available so everybody who's coming from very diverse backgrounds, for want of a better term, can access it. So every time we sort of plan one of those events, uh, we get thinking, so what kind of reading would help people access certain knowledge about a topic without pushing them away? So in the Finnish context especially, it's been a very interesting journey for me in the sense that there's a library almost in everybody's neighborhood, which is not something I have been used to before I moved to Europe. And the libraries as well go much beyond just giving you books. Even nowadays with the corona situation, we are all in isolation and you see pictures of the libraries packing books into plastic bags and leaving them on the stairs outside at two meters distance so people can come pick it up. So. In that sense, you have the conventional libraries, publishers, books, printed matter sort of whole system there where people are able to access printed matter, access reading. But also what I'm reminded of is a recent study in Finland which said, well, Finland, as uh, just to give some context, is one of the most well-read societies and most people here are literate and they have a very high level of basic schooling through the population and reading is a lot more widespread than in most other countries in the world. But a recent survey said that Finnish youth are reading much less than the previous generation. And this, of course, does not come as any surprise to us considering how much more we consume social media and how much more we go to screens rather than books and newspapers and magazines to get information. So the youth were sort of accused by the researchers of not reading as much as uh, even like 10 years ago what the same age group did. But what was interesting was when the media brought this up to the youth themselves, and by youth I mean even teenagers, they said that it wasn't that they were reading less, it was just that they were reading differently and the research wasn't taking that into account. So they might be reading as many words per day or even more than their even older siblings did, but they were just consuming it in smaller pieces or Instagram or Snapchat or in ebooks or using the new digital tools that schools are using here and so on. So, But the questions were all sort of still conventional. When was the last time you read a book or, you know, sort of kind of going towards like reading in a very conventional sense. And more and more as well, like in my own life and in my own practice, I find myself moving further and further away from just filling my reading list with books or conventional texts, if that could be a term we can use. So from conventional texts to even Facebook pages or Instagram accounts. And I get quite a lot from that and sometimes even much more worthy information, especially when, for example, work around anti-racism or decolonization, the concepts change so quickly, the thoughts sort of metamorphosize or transform so rapidly. And often these platforms, which are now sort of low threshold and anybody with a computer, anybody with a phone can publish their thoughts to the world. 
And in that sense, I've been able to access the thought processes or mind worlds of a lot more people than I would have been able through books. So that got me thinking when we were talking about expanding the reading list, like expanding by itself makes it more diverse, even if we don't have to actively look for diversity in our reading lists. By the very fact that it's often people who are not able to publish or who are not able to write to the rules set by the publishers, by the funding foundations and so on, who are able to start a Facebook page or a Twitter account. And going by the last few years, at least I've sort of like consciously seeked out those kind of non-conventional sources it could even be a meme page but so much information gets spread and i've even seen memes saying memes will be the liberation of the masses because they package information in such a accessible way and they reach so many people so it's it's an interesting time to be alive so if we can expand reading lists to mean anything that somehow has to do with text and it doesn't even have to be visually read. It could even be audiobooks and podcasts, all of which are becoming very popular these days. So anything where you can share information and share thoughts. And if that would be the definition of a reading list, and especially nowadays when everything exists digitally, it's easy to also make reading lists where you can click. So when you can click, it doesn't matter what's on the other side of the link, whether it's a text or an animation or a video. So I find that very fascinating and I, I do think we are not using it as well as we could and I would like to use that better in my own practice in terms of sort of not just opening up certain work or certain events or certain sessions that I organize but also sort of provide more background in terms of these kind of unconventional or even provocative or quite political reading lists. Yes, I'm also thinking of furthering this question or stretching it a little more. We are talking about expanding the reading list and you mentioned all these various forms that are the need of the hour to look around the conventional book and library setup. When we say that expanding the reading list, there is also a question in my mind, okay, where does this reading list need to expand? So where is the location of this reading list? and uh, whether it is within institutions, whether it is within like a more established space, or is it something that needs to start at home? And just trying to also wrap my head around this idea of that when in a conventional setup, we go and study in institutions, and then these institutions pass on the same kind of a list. And there is this certain anxiety around what does a publishing practice mean? What gets to be published? Because we see that it is the same kind of material that gets passed on generation after generation or each academic batch after another. And I'm thinking that what then is a way out from that? Is it that we need to first locate where these reading lists are perhaps quite limited and what could be a process in finding that? 
You know, this is something I have uh, also given a lot of thought to, sort of how do we democratize the reading list? How do we break down the walls of institutions, steal the reading lists from there and sort of, you know, spread it everywhere? Because uh, it's also very much a question of privilege, like being able to go to an institution, being able to afford to study full time and then being able to not just receive a reading list from this kind of very holy protected institutional setting but also having the resources and the time to actually seek out those what is mentioned in the reading list so this there's almost like a whole system around reading lists themselves like how they are created how they are policed how they are shared and how they are used that also contributes to that aura around reading lists in the sense that oh that person is very well read and they've gone through the entire list or hey my book made it to that reading list on that course so we've sort of built this whole castle around and then we fortified it with extra gates and reading lists have become very much this kind of um, well something to be upheld and protected and and somehow publishing also sort of you know takes the same form and this is something i've come across in Finland a lot so especially when you're a person of foreign origin who's moved here recently and you suggest that hey you would like to contribute something or you would like to write something the threshold to make it to conventional print is very high they'd be happy to have you perform somewhere or sort of you know just read out something for a live audience of 20 people but to actually see your work put down in black and white is a big jump for a country that prides itself as being very egalitarian and very inclusive and in that sense i have for example uh, a lot of small grassroots initiatives here are not just like working in the digital space but also making their own zines and holding zine workshops because there's also a very important materiality to having something that you can read which is also physically printed on paper and something you can hold and something you can focus on and i guess like there are also sort of workshops that even the conventional system kind of plugs into like in libraries where they share book recommendations and the librarians themselves recommend these and ask people to vote on which was their favorite and sort of crowdsourcing a reading list i myself have picked up some stuff from uh, local libraries just because they had a sticker on it so in that sense maybe like even like reading lists in grocery stores or something you know like reading lists popping up in the most unlikely of places i think with without making it look like because the fun goes out of reading when you sort of start forcing people to read something and this attempts to sort of expand the reading list can also very easily become that most of the reading that i've been doing recently is not because i found it on somebody's list but because somebody i respect shared it usually on a social media channel and i found not just the content interesting but also i respect the person's judgment somehow so it's been pre curated so i think in that sense there could even be something this is just thinking out loud like some guerrilla reading list pasting movement or something where you just like instead of putting up posters in different cafes you just put up reading lists in that sense i think the work that you did is also very much uh, kind of going in that direction where you painted a reading list in a quite unlikely location so in that sense i also wanted to maybe throw the question back to you like how have you seen your reading list expand through your experiences over the last few years maybe as a newcomer to finland if we can still call you that over many years now but have have you gone through the same process of finding that you need to expand your reading list or that your reading list expands on its own i have not been 
that exceptional uh, reader it was only when uh, the questions in your mind start becoming uh, more and more difficult which you are not able to find answers to and then suddenly you open a book and there it is there maybe at the age of like 15 16 it started um, for me it started growing from that sense of attraction to books that okay this is going to be a better companion at many different times so that is how i i again got back into the idea of reading books but then i think the content uh, and this is something that i struggled for a very long time where if i was reading something and i found an interest in that then i would just try to find something that was similar so that one could resonate with the other and i think that perhaps is a bit of a roadblock when one is trying to expand how many perspectives can you have to one subject so when i moved to helsinki because english is not my first language but here i was speaking more english than i was speaking uh, any other language that i usually speak it made me realize that i need to also now acquaint myself with when i use the word decolonization what do i mean by that and i think it started with this sense of feeling that i now need to equip myself with more information with more uh, discussion around these subjects and because say finland is uh, cosmopolitan in a very different manner as compared to mumbai where i was living previously i mean new subjects i think started entering my own zone of uh, thinking and that's where i felt that there was a need to also expand uh, the material that i was reading so i think that is like a very organic process it probably comes from having the time to reflect that there are certain gaps in one's uh, knowledge in one's systems of finding knowledge or systems of access and that is where when not just books but like these other mediums that you mentioned starting from memes to social media these various forms of publishing on say instagram stories and those kind of uh, mediums it really started uh, me on this journey of trying to find more and more material but that were not coming from a published book as such but were coming from these so called low forms of knowledge <laughs> for example zines and comics and graphic novels and even posters uh, and stickers for example i mean in in helsinki there is a big sticker culture you see a lot of stickers in in and around public spaces for me this idea of you know what gets published what is meant to be put out why is something like this being communicated i think in that sense it really expanded but then i think it also expanded in a way that because i moved to helsinki to do my masters and as part of the program as you said that one gets handed over a list to read from as uh, as building a kind of um, an a knowledge base that would then remain common for those students that are attending that course or that particular teacher who's teaching that course and in that when i started looking at what is being referred to what is being spoken about whether it was feminism whether it was culture whether it was uh, societal practices i felt uh, again a few gaps because i felt that 
I know something about this, but I don't know them in these words. And then I think it became a reverse journey where I started looking again at the authors that I had previously read and not to with the intention to find some kind of a parallel writing to what I was reading, say, in by Western writers, but to find another perspective to the same thought. Yeah, that has been my way of contracting and expanding the reading list and trying to, to not rely on just a published book to understand uh, a subject at hand. It's interesting that you brought up this sort of almost uh, compulsion to sort of expand the reading list, not just expansion for expansion's sake, but that you really feel like it's something you have to do. I have to say, I have sometimes felt the same uh, in also a sense that when the reality, like we talk so much about how the situation all over the world is quite scary and how there doesn't seem to be so much hope. And especially in Finland, that can happen quite easily in terms of like how much there is uh, in terms of especially people with international background, the challenges be how precarious life can be very easily if you do not uh, fit into certain norms of uh, Finnishness in Finnish society, reading can also sort of be the thing that keeps you going. So in that sense also, I've had to, for example, expand my reading list to include more Indian authors, more indigenous authors from elsewhere. I've been trying to read up on, for example, the indigenous Sami in Finland and see if there's something written about them, written by them, so that I also get an idea of where I am living now and what is the history. And then I found a Tamil book, my mother tongue being Tamil. I found a Tamil translation of Finland's national epic, Kalevala, and that had been written by a Tamil immigrant to Finland in the 90s. So also the sort of stories that reading sort of connects you with not just the stories that are written themselves, but also the stories of the people who have written them. And uh, ranging from the experiences of an Aboriginal elder in Australia who talked about how uh, white saviorism is not welcome, to, of course, uh, one of India's most famous politicians and the writer of our constitution and Dalit reformer Ambedkar. So I have rediscovered different voices from all over the world also as a tool or technique to, you know, keep going or find energy and find inspiration. So for me, for example, going back and reading Ambedkar, so Ambedkar was just received passing mention in my school books and now I've been like sort of going and reading as much of Ambedkar as I can and as much about Ambedkar as I can and when somebody in Finland asks me oh who is Ambedkar and all I can say is like he's like maybe Fanon but Indian but I also don't see or don't find the need to actually you know explain myself in the sense that the Eurocentricism that pervades most of our reading list is not really explained to us nobody tells us why this reading list is so white, or why are only books considered valid enough to be on those reading lists? So I've sort of like started exploring authors who maybe aren't even going to ever make it to those reading lists, but in a sense that helped me to make sense of my own experience. And in that sense, I think it's also very important that new reading lists are made and the authorship becomes very important. Like who makes the reading list is for me as important a question as what is in the reading list. So in that sense is also if of course crowdsourced reading lists would be interesting but yeah I guess if we could get more of like for example respected activists in Finland like 
Marian Abdul Karim's reading list or something. I think it would be very, very useful for a lot of people just to sort of access a different kind of reality than what is usually uh, shared and propagated and built upon in Finland. In the discussion that we've had so far, we have gone over a couple of other uh, aspects that I did want to discuss, which was about how do we bring about an exchange of uh, reading lists and materials that we are reading. And now each time that one mentions the reading list, we are not just referring to the reading list of books, but we are looking at a wider range. We are looking at different forms of content making and how also they get dispersed within our society. Uh, now, of course, we have the internet, but the internet has been there for several years and that has not made a very big dent in the kind of reading lists that exist and continue to exist. So I'm just thinking like what are these other ways in which this process can take place? If you ever had any thoughts about that, that oh, come on, this can be so simple, let's just do this, and, <laughs> you know. Yeah, well, this is being recorded in uh, April 2020, when almost, well, was it that more than half the world population is under some kind of restriction on movement and so on. So I was just uh, reminded during this corona crisis, the kids, at least in my neighborhood here in Helsinki, have been uh, running around trying to find teddy bears that neighbors put up in their windows. I was just thinking if we should do the same with the reading lists for adults, that we sort of uh, put up reading lists on windows for people who are socially isolating to get some inspiration and, you know, sort of access new books. But uh, those sort of more lighthearted attempts aside, I think the one way to do it, of course, is to sort of, you know, write petitions to teachers in universities and sort of demand through various institutional mechanisms that reading lists in the institutions that create them are reformed or even revolutionized to include diverse points of view. But to put it very honestly, I don't think that kind of change is fast enough these days. There's also a very big class question actually around reading and it, it operates a bit differently here in Finland compared to what I was used to back in India. Back in India at least you had to have a lot of books on your own if you wanted to continuously read and very few of us had access to quality libraries. But in Finland at least I have heard uh, more than one person say that to have books at home is to just show off your class position because theoretically you are able to access any book through the very well developed library network. So I was just uh, thinking like could could just like book parties or something you know like where you just exchange books among neighbors become a thing. Maybe after all the social distancing is lifted nowadays, people are very, when you said dispersed through society already, I sort of like uh, was a bit taken aback. Like even these terms have become so loaded nowadays with the uh, pandemic, because that's also somehow a way of expressing care that, okay, I've read this book, I have, or I have read this paper, I've read this poster even. Somebody I just saw was giving away posters on a local second and sale group on Facebook. So the sharing of something you have read and benefited from with a stranger is in itself such a big uh, act of care. 
in those kind of very grassroots ways, we can really like expand reading lists or expand the field from which the society in general is sort of getting its uh, reading or access to different information and different knowledge. And in that sense, also something I've been really inspired by is uh, Vida, for example, the poetry that you share on different social media channels, because I've not had the fortune of being present physically at all your poetry readings, but I do at least as much as I can try to sort of follow the poetry that you share. And I do follow a lot of other poets as well. So within like four or eight sentences, even if they are very short, it feels like that has already sort of balanced out a lot of the errors in my own reading list or how how could you call it not just errors but shortcomings or sort of holes that are present so i think as a first step we could all sort of ourselves go and seek out authors or seek out creators in places we wouldn't usually look and sort of start with a grassroots updating of our own reading lists and then maybe we can think about how it can happen also in a collective level because it is it is a high threshold and also it becomes a question of who has the time to go and update their reading list let alone as an adult with maybe more than one job and family life and other commitments to also demand that people expand reading lists when many people aren't even able to have a reading list is also sounding like a statement that one can easily express from a position of privilege. And this is something I also try to handle with a lot of the work I do. How do we, without consciously creating reading lists or new reading lists and sort of adding to the problem of people feeling like they can never catch up, try to in very small ways make reading enjoyable, make finding new information a pleasure because also from, for, from my own experiences at different stages in my life, irrespective of where I have lived, uh, reading has been a real godsend or an escape from reality. And I think that's also something that a lot of people often forget these days, that behind the printed word or the meme or whatever lies a whole world which you can sort of use as an escape from reality. And in that sense, I, I think there's like a lot of ways in which we can kind of i don't want to really even use the word encourage people to read different sources but sort of um, offer you know then people take it themselves take it or leave it kind of like but offer because i feel that that's that's where the problem is the offering itself is already been curated by somebody and that leaves out such a big chunk of what could be possible and then of course you have other questions of language and Finland being a country where English is not the main language also means that a lot of work that is maybe very easy for me to access, easy for you to access, is not always available. I remember when somebody from home visited Finland and we went to this new library that has been talked about all over the world, the new central library in Helsinki, what is called Odi. The English language section was so small and this person was completely surprised that this so-called great library in the world had maybe two rows of books in English or two shelves. So in that sense also, how do we still offer a lot of content for people with different backgrounds and different language preferences without sort of putting undue pressure on the already limited resources we have. It's it's a process, I think, and just like saying, like you said yourself, just the internet is not going to solve. And I think that's where artists and curators 
also researchers, of course, the more traditional library workers and scientists, social scientists. All of us have a role to play, really, in expanding reading lists. If we can see reading lists as something that the whole community creates and the whole community can benefit from. So I think each of us can just find new ways. And there's really no such thing as too many reading lists or too long reading lists, as long as we have a healthy relationship to it and nobody feels forced. No, you, I think, uh, have really touched upon uh, many of these points that I often think about also of my own practice as uh, not just as somebody who has begun writing since the last two years, but also somebody who draws. And I'm thinking also of how I, I reflect on idea of shared knowledge, especially because uh, I like cooking a lot. And when I'm cooking something, where it's not any authentic recipe that I'm making, but it is a collection of what I can find around me, what I need from it right now, how many people I'm cooking for, and what is the budget. You know, like all these things, I think for me, uh, really feed into, literally, so uh, feed into this idea of uh, where is this knowledge base and what does it comprise in terms of... uh, authors and voices and different cultures and ways of opening up a certain subject. So I think uh, for me that remains uh, till date the most relevant or like the most um, comfortable way of accessing any new form of knowledge. So just to sort of reflect also on what I have experienced uh, in the few sessions of the Far Night School. And uh, But I've been part of the same space where you have either hosted uh, an event or you've hosted a workshop. And uh, what I have found very interesting in your practice is how you, how you use words, but you really situate them into where we are. And I think this kind of a mindfulness or this kind of presence uh, into where we are talking and whom we are speaking with becomes important when we are thinking of how does one expand this reading list, that are we looking enough, are we really finding out who is here, what do they need, and or are we assuming too much? And this is something that is, I mean, it's, it's also part of, for example, the safe space policy, where one of the main points is to not assume anything about another person's identity. And uh, and I'm thinking that if one could utilize these same tools when one is thinking of the reading list, what would that gesture open up? I think that's a, that's a fantastic point that you raised because so far at least, and I think we've kind of touched that, touched upon that a bit in this conversation already because at least in this, as I understand also the reason or the starting point for your work has been that the reading reading list that you were offered at various institutions while studying or in, in some other way sort of a consumer of knowledge. They are very sort of uh, one-way <laughs> exercises. So somebody has already made an assumption about you, a preconceived notion of the student or similar students that have they have seen in years before and they have put together their idea of what they would need. So especially with the policies like the safer space policy that uh, 
we are increasingly using in all our events but also like even when you make a because a lot of the work i do is organizing different events low threshold participation and free to participate for anybody and events where people can perform people can watch people can listen basically people can be themselves but every time you even write something that is as simple as a description for a facebook event we really need to think about who is coming and what is their background and at some point you have to make certain assumptions but um, it's very easy to also get into this quite uh, destructive assumption that if they don't even know what person of color means why are they even joining our event or if we have to even explain something as simple as what is racialization do we even want them in our event so you know it's it's also kind of a way to like writing a reading list can also be a way for you to confront your own privileges and your own sort of prejudices which i have also not just with reading list but pre- preparing any text but especially text that talk to others and want to certain in certain ways act or shape a space or act or shape an event happening in that space so in that sense also applying that idea to reading list i think it's uh, reading lists have to also maybe always come with when they were created why they were created who created it you know sort of contextualize it and situate it because then also you get a lot more trust towards the contents of the reading list because that's the other thing often reading lists are passed around as though they were the bible like they would apply to all contexts and they are for everyone and sort of maybe that would already help reading lists even if we don't actively expand the content in the reading list just this sort of uh, contextualizing a reading list i think in itself can be a very liberating practice but also a very useful one this is great what you were mentioning about this contextualizing because uh, i mean this is something definitely that i had in mind uh, when this poem was being made of course it was written as a kind of a response almost like an angry response to constantly being uh, rejected or to the idea that okay reading lists can expand and often coming across this idea that okay this is not going to change uh, because uh, those who are offering these reading lists feel that they don't know where to begin and therefore my kind of response was okay let's begin with these 96 authors but also the format of the poem has been uh, kept as such that these 96 names can completely move or can remain and it can continue so there is no particular kind of rhythm or meter uh, i've kept it kind of very easy to follow uh, if one is looking at how a poem is constructed almost that this poem can become endless and uh, that it can pass on really from one person to the other and it can include any names or it can include anything in that sense thank you very much for also pointing out to this this aspect of contextualizing that i think perhaps will also help us understand these lists that pre-exist if we do understand okay why was this list made that is a great direction to maybe follow up in 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 the most immediate sense thank you very much for that when we go and expand our reading lists we should also really remember that whatever expansion we do we will never have the perfect reading list i think that's something that's also clear with a lot of work i do within activist and artistic fields 
because uh, today maybe also like shojnam pointed out like even words like diversity was it or was it yeah so very seemingly innocent words can also become very loaded these days because people easily throw terms like oh we are an intersectional practice or we are decolonizing our reading list you know and i'm sure there's somebody trying who has already used intersectional decolonizing and a couple of other buzzwords in response or in relation to reading lists as well so i think it's important to remember that the reading list can never be perfect but just we can always try to make a better reading list because i think also a lot of our concerns with the way the reading lists are made these days is that there's a starting point and there's an ending point and that's why i liked how you had done this poem that it's sort of endless and anybody is free to sort of extend it right so there's no authorship in a traditional way that because usually you have 1 2 3 you literally have numbers on the reading lists and on 20 it usually stops so in that sense maybe it's also i just want to again emphasize the fact that we can always make our reading list better but of course we are never going to be able to include all points of view and all kinds of knowledge and there can never be a good reading list but there can always be a better reading list but i think in that sense also as creative workers we need to also acknowledge our own um, not just our own prejudices and privileges but also in very practical terms our own restrictions and our own inabilities to expand the reading lists on our own so there's no way that we can just like one of us can just say okay we are not going to make the same mistakes as maybe a librarian somewhere did or a professor somewhere else did just that we can start the process and then hope somebody else continues it and in that sense also this is something i've been thinking about in how do we create a work or create projects pieces whatever forms they take and now in this case reading lists that are by design meant for others to continue that have a very intentional uh, sort of effort put into being able to be expanded upon this is also just like something i wanted to leave the listeners with like how do we design reading lists that can be expanded upon with very little effort so anybody can do it We were talking to Arvind Ramachandran, stand-up comedian, organizer and artist based in Helsinki. I want to thank the listeners for joining us for all the oral gatherings. Hope you enjoyed listening to them as much as it was a pleasure working on them. I am your host Vidha Soumya and this was the last of the podcast series Reading List Leaders produced by Frame Contemporary Art Finland. within the context of rehearsing hospitalities public program 2019 to 2023